0: I'm not here to make trouble. Do you know why I am here? I'm here to gravel before your wonderful Earth alliance in the hopes of attaching ourselves to your destiny. Like... What are those fish called on your planet that attach themselves to sharks? Ramoras. Yes. You make very good sharks, Mr. Garibaldi. We were pretty good sharks ourselves once, but somehow, along the way, we forgot how to bite. There was a time when this whole quadrant belonged to us. What are we now? Twelve worlds and a thousand monuments to past glories, living off memories stories. selling trinkets. My God, man. We've become a tourist attraction. See the great Centuri Republic. Open nine to five, Earth time. Anything else?
1: No. Thank you, Ambassador.
2: nice shark pretty shark
0: you have transmissions holding
3: patch incoming signal full audio and video decode
0: purple files accessed
4: what you are about to see
5: has never been shown to anyone outside the Breakhouse.
6: Hello everyone out there in podcast land, welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. We are a group of newbies and first ones who have either watched the show all the way through or are watching for the first time, and we are here with a very special bonus episode. We um, are delighted to welcome the man, the myth, the legend that is Peter Jurisic, who is um, obviously plays Lando Malari in Babylon Five? We are so very thankful that you would take the time to join us, sir, and we are looking forward to chatting with you. And um, it's 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 a, a privilege.
7: Well Scott, what can I say I'm, I'm I'm so happy to do it for you so and uh, I love see I love meeting all the fans and that's one of the the ones it's all a long time back there so you'll have to forget a, a bad memory or and as as I always say now, there are a lot of people who do Londo better than me you know fan,
6: fans can do it better than me so I don't know what I can do i'll I'll try to hang in there with you, okay? We promise we won't do any bad impressions. At least I promise. I oh do please bad do bad impressions, <laughs> my good and dear friends. <laughs> you already showed us up right there with this that. Yeah. <laughs> like- yes, right. So uh, what we're gonna do first is, and for those of you listening at home or watching at home, we obviously know that a lot of you have not watched past where we are in the show, which is a little bit through season two. So the first piece is gonna be a non-spoiler conversation with our newbies. And then like any other show that we do, we're going to jettison out the airlock as soon as they're done with their questions. And then we're gonna get into a full discussion of the entire show with Peter as well. So I'm gonna toss it over to Emily, who has the first question.
8: Good. Uh Hi, Peter. I'm Emily. Hello, Emily. I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. This is uh, really exciting. So I'm going to do my best to not fangirl and be totally weird.
7: <laughs> Please be a fangirl and be totally weird. And <laughs> you <know>, the pressure's <laughs> off me. Okay.
8: <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Okay. Uh, so my first, qu- so my question is, how much of yourself is in Londo as a character?
7: Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, um, my wife, uh, who's the person who knows me best, probably we were, we've been married. I don't, let's see. I shouldn't say, I don't know. 32 <laughs> years, or something like that. She knows me a long time. Anyway, she says, you know, it was typecasting that I'm, I, I really am like Londo. Now for me, I think he's much more energetic. And when I played him, I always felt like, um, you know uh, i couldn't wait to stop doing lando when i was on set i mean because he he's a pretty aggressive and pretty uh, intense person and i don't think i'm that intense but my, as i said my wife says it's typecasting and uh, you know the truth of the matter is uh, you know once you once you get a feel for what an actor does as opposed to what the writer brings to the character then you you know you have a better idea of what it's what it's like to to lug him along I don't think he walks like me. He certainly doesn't talk like me, right? I got a New York accent, so, you know, and he doesn't have a New York accent. Uh, I don't wear his hair, although my hair is getting long these days. But uh, so I don't know, you know, I I guess we'll go with my wife, say it's typecasting and I'm exactly like him, but I don't think that, you know? (laughs) I think he's a much more aggressive, much more, uh, he's certainly made more, much more political and patriotic than I am. Um, I'm much more, uh, I, I don't mean, I don't know, you know, so that that's my answer. How's that?
8: <laughs> that works for me. Thank you so much. I'm going to turn it over to Nicole.
5: Hi, Peter. I'm Nicole. Nice hey, to Nicole, meet you. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, Really appreciate it. it. Uh, So I'm a newbie and I'm new to not only Babylon 5, but sci-fi as a genre in general. I've never watched a sci-fi show before. Um, Yeah, so this is all new to me. It's very exciting and so appreciative that you're here. And I also am going to try not to fangirl and be weird. So you're going to get that a lot from us. That makes two of us, right? I love that. So my question for you is uh, when you were portraying Londo and something really, really funny happened, whether it was a line or a scene or somebody did something funny, because there was a lot of funny moments with Londo, yeah. especially with Garibaldi. So my question to you is, has there ever been a moment that just cracked you up and had you in stitches or kind of like on SNL when they break, you know, and they break character?
7: We, we did that all the time. <laughs> to be honest, that happens a, a lot. But, you know, for the most part, really what you're trying to do is focus on the character and Mm -hmm. stay in the scene. So, I mean, if people screw up or if we get lost, uh, you know, in the scene, don't know, you know, what we're where the next line is going or what we're doing. Yeah. You know, we'll uh, let me see. I can trying to move you around okay (laughs) no i can't do it anyway um yeah we would we would crack up and that would happen and there was plenty of that but for the most part you know we were we we, you don't comment on your character you don't really so londo never thought anything he was saying unless he thought it was funny he never thought it was funny the uh, the you know the famous um nibble to death by uh by cats, uh, cats <laughs> that is, or whatever the line is. Yeah, yeah he didn't. He didn't find that funny and either. Did Veer? You know. Yeah. But uh, you know, there was something funny about it, and we certainly knew that.
0: I think I I'll stick my head in the station's fusion reactor. It would be quicker, and I suspect after a while I might even come to enjoy it. Ambassador, why don't but you? But this, just- this, this, this is like being nibbled to death by. Uh, What are those earth creatures called? Feathers, long bill, webbed feet. Go quack. Cats. Cats, like being nibbled to death by cats.
7: Joe was a good enough writer too, Nicole, that um, if you had any question about uh, how you were doing it and whether you were doing it right, he would let you know that. I guess mm-hmm. the exception to that, I don't know what season, the, uh, uh, you, you might tell me, uh, the elevator scene? Not there yet.
5: Okay, I won't mention
7: it again. Okay. <laughs> well, Nicole, there's a scene, and and, and we kind of did it uh, not what Joe wanted, but he liked it okay.
5: Okay, I'll have Scott okay. make sure he tells me about that scene when it comes up.
9: Yeah,
7: I don't know <laughs> what season it was in. But, you know, okay, whenever we, you know, Joe was not afraid to say to us, you know, that's not what what I, what I was intending. Mm-hmm. And he was also we, he was also you you could appeal all you want to Joe to change something or want something but he would never do it. Gotcha.
5: <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, so nice I'm, to
7: talk to you. You too. I, I'm new. I'm new to sci-fi too. You know that oh. one is really
5: my the only your sci-fi introduction one
6: I've ever seen.
5: <laughs> well, it's pretty good so far. I have to say, I'm liking it. <laughs>
6: I don't know about that, sir. I grew up watching you on the grid, but I know we have a question about that too.
5: Whoops. You're right. (laughs) right. Uh, So I'm going to introduce Justin to ask the next question.
1: Hi, Justin. Hey, Peter. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And, um, Unlike Nicole, I've been a big sci-fi fan for years, but it, it took about 15, 20 years for a couple of these guys to finally talk me into watching Babylon 5, and I'm really glad that I, I've been, I'm finally doing it, and I'm loving the experience so far. Wow. And um, not only do I have been really enjoying your character so far and watching you on the show, but I especially love enjoying watching Veer. And I've been a big fan of Stephen first for a long time since even back in his, uh, animal house days. And I was just wondering if you can share a story about what it was like working with them on set.
7: Um, boy, you know, he is, he's one of the people, uh, we've lost a lot of people. Um, but I basically, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time working with Veer and working with the uh, Right. And, um, so I miss both those people a lot and, uh, Both of them became, uh, outside of work, became friends. So my family got to know his family. He got to know my family. We we would all play cards together. I mean, he was a a friend, too. So when I talk about him, I'm, um, what, sentimental. That's the other thing I always say about uh, Londo. He's a sentimental Republican. Um, So um, I don't know who named him that. Listen, Stephen is a was a wonderful guy. He and I were like two uh um schoolgirls together. We would giggle and make each other laugh all the time and that's true. We just liked each other because we shared a sense of humor. Uh he was a very funny guy in li- in real life, very clever and fast. He uh, his company's name was Camudgeon Films, so he liked to think of himself as sort of a curmudgeon, but he was a very funny. Curmudgeon. And and I know that when we were on set together, uh, we both were really fond of each other. We'd spend a lot of time uh, when we weren't in character laughing together. So it was a real joy to be with him. I think we drove the, the, the crew and maybe the directors crazy. You know, it was a little like... You know, straighten up there, would you? Uh, but we really had a great time together. That's that wasn't what it was like working with Andreas. He did He wasn't a you know a jokester as much. But um, S- Stephen was really a great guy to hang with. He was really funny, and uh, we had a lot in common as two people. So it was just it was just a joy. He was a really funny guy. Uh, the story I always tell that made me laugh the most, and I'm not giving anything away, Scott, I don't think, is <clears throat> they were shooting over my shoulder on Tavir and he his line was, he he kind of hated doing the lines exactly. And they wanted us to do the lines exactly. And there's a person on a on a TV set called a script uh, supervisor. And she's, she's the person on our set. She was a female who tells you what to do. So His line was, Oh, this is what that's about. And he started doing, Oh, that's what this is about. And then she'd say, No, this is what that's about. And we'd stop, and then he'd say, <laughs> "Oh, so that's what that's about." And She'd say, "No, this is this is what that's about." <laughs> slowly, I, my shoulder that they were shooting over started shaking because it was so veer-like. You know, <laughs> he just kept on going. So this is what that. So this is what this is about. And she'd say, "No, this is what that's about." And then, anyway, that's that's a, that's a funny story about Steve, but you know, he was just a wonderful guy. You know the story about his casting, right? Did you ever hear that story? No. Some of them have, some of them haven't. So please, he he uh, he went into to to uh, audition for the part, and he knew nothing about the the show. And when he got in to audition for it, all the other actors who were auditioning for Veer had their hair up like Centauri, and so immediately he was. He was nervous about that. And all of them were sort of uh, uh, mimicking my accent. They had decided that that's what the character was going to sound like. The actors did anyway. So he started to panic and he ran into the bathroom and started to the men's room started to get soap out of the the thing to put his hair up. And then he started to get soap started to come down <laughs> into his eyes. <laughs> and then he was kind of crying, right? <laughs> and and moaning. And, and then that's when they called him in and said, bring in Stephen first. And he he went in and his hair was sort of flopping down. And he was he was crying. And he said, I don't know what I'm doing. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. I didn't know I had a fucking acid. And I didn't know my hair was supposed to be up. A- and when he left the room, JMS said, that's Veer. We're going to cast <laughs>
9: that,
7: that him." That's awesome. Isn't that great? A right choice. Yeah. He was a natural, too. That's the other thing to say about him. He was a natural. He's a naturally good actor. and As you know, maybe you do. He's, he was also a director. And so he had a bigger sense than just uh, the two of us as actors. He was always looking out for the bigger picture, too. I can't say enough good things about him. He was my friend, you know? What can I say?
1: Being honest. Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and at this point, turn it over to Andrew.
6: Hey, this is fun. (laughs) How am I doing, Scott? You haven't run away screaming yet, so we're doing great. (laughs) Okay, good.
7: If you go away, I will just sit here and keep on talking. (laughs) I think think the listeners would appreciate that more than I am.
6: Yeah, Yeah. I think the listeners would appreciate that more, so you'll be fine.
7: (laughs) Thank you.
10: All right, uh, so uh, hi, Peter. Hello. Uh, So I am also a newbie, uh, and one of my favorite things on the show uh, is uh, Londo's relationship with uh, Jakar, which I'm sure many of the fans would agree with me on that. Uh, So my question is, uh, uh, what was your off-screen relationship like with Andreas Katsoulis? Oh boy!
7: Again, you know, uh, it's it's it, you know you you ask a question that it would be really impossible and it's hard for me to disguise how much I liked those people and they're all they've also you know both died and passed on so and I missed them both as friends they were good friends to me but Andreas and I were um, we were we are th- these are some good. You know, some telling things, I think when we auditioned for the show, this was well, months before we did the pilot, he and I were with the same agency and uh, we were both sent in together. And um, so the very first time I attempted to do Londo and the very first time he attempted to do Jacquard, we were together. And I always find that interesting. You know, I I had an audition at like 215 and the the name at 220 was Andreas Katsoulis. So we got to sit outside and talk a little bit about the work. He was uh, well before he got into Babylon 5, he was already a very accomplished actor, very successful actor, had worked with Peter Brook in England and uh, traveled around the whole world doing great theater. And um, you've probably seen him this, as the one-armed man in uh, in uh, what's the name of the movie?
1: The Fugitive. Yeah, I just watched is that it? on TV today. Actually, is that right? Yeah, it's
7: sort of a chilling performance. His performance, it's great.
5: Wait, that guy was was jacquard
7: yeah. are you kidding makeup, right
5: yeah right i the had no man. idea i've seen that movie a hundred times i had no yeah. idea wow you it just blew my mind
7: performance isn't it nicole
5: wow it's kind of d- a
7: scary performance you just yeah. blew my mind anyway he was very very accomplished actor already and uh and so when i started to work with him mm-hmm. i had a great deal of respect for who he was and i think he had a he was just a respectful guy. He was that kind of person, but he had a great deal of respect. for me. So we took our work seriously and, and uh, uh, on screen, we were very serious and we really got down to work when we worked together off screen. He loved us, you know, and he would stay sort of in character because he was fully covered, as you know, his face. And so Mm -hmm. he would be puffing away on one of his uh, ubiquitous cigarettes. And, um, and, and uh, there was a part of him that felt like he was still kind of buzzing Jakar. And as I told you, I was looking to get away from Londo. Londo was following me around all the time. So I, I wasn't doing anything <laughs> with with Andreas. And uh, that, you know, he, uh, you know, out out of makeup, uh, we became really dear friends. He would cook for me, and uh, again, I got to know his family. I still communicate a little with his family, with his daughter, and um, and and he got to know my family. So we were we were good friends, and he was um, a funny, really funny, really odd person. He was the definition on the set of a loose cannon. The scene would start, and you really didn't know what andreas would do he would change things from take to take and uh just happy to do that and uh you know it was just it was just fun to work with him off screen he had um, um he, he had a little of that personality in life too he was uh he was greek and uh crazy and uh and a good guy a good man and um, you know, again, these are people I love, so I can't really give you a great answer. I can't be a critic at all. I got nothing to say that doesn't kind of, you know, make me, uh, what do they say? Did you say, uh, Cavell? Right? <laughs> I,
6: right. I will say, Peter, to that, if it weren't for Londo and Jakar, and I think other people in this who have watched the whole show would agree with me on this, without Londo and Jakar, we are not talking about this show 30 years later.
7: Oh, I don't know about that, but there you go. That's nice to say. You know what? They were in some way again. I don't want to give any spoilers, but the, that their stories really became central in a lot of ways. So, but there was, you know, I mean. Anyway, that's nice of you to say. I'm not the person to comment on that because, uh, you know, I, I, I to, to be honest, I was, uh, I had my hands filled just being uh, Londo and taking care of the Centauri end of it of the storyline. And, uh, so you people, you fans can talk more about the, uh, the Mimbari and the Don Nines, you know, and, uh, I can't do, I can't comment on that. You know, I like the character with the big hair.
10: <laughs> All right, well, uh, uh, great. I'm glad I got to, finally got to meet you. Um, so nice. And so I'm going to pass. And thanks uh, for
7: asking about your car, by the way.
10: Yeah, no problem. That's what I'm heart. sure we were all wondering about. Yeah. Uh so now I'm going to pass you on to probably Grace 17's biggest uh, Londo fan, John. Oh no. Good oh no. My <laughs> loving, dear friend. Where is John? Oh
9: John. Peter, unlike Emily and Nicole, I am going to fangirl out and I'm going to be weird. <laughs> Thank you. On this this episode. Um I like Justin uh watch a lot of sci-fi but this is my first go-around with Babylon 5 and um you know like Andrew said you are thus far my favorite character absolutely uh one of the first things on our show is if if we have an episode that that you don't happen to be in it's my first critique of the show well no Londo (laughs) (laughs) that's great John (laughs) I'm very glad to, to have you here and I know you mentioned Andreas working a lot and being a prolific actor before the show but you know you're no slouch either, right? So you've got over 80 credits to your own uh, to your own name. Uh, been in a lot of productions, uh, a lot of roles. Uh, some yep. of the beloved series. Of all time, not just Babylon 5, but you've been in MASH, Tron, Hill Street Blues, um, you know, the list goes on. I won't I won't bore you with your own CV, but um, with so much diversity. I, if I can just be parenthetically say, you know,
7: this is what $50 gets you, you know. I gave John $50 and uh, he brags for a little bit. You know? <laughs> the rest of you should pay attention, you know.
6: He's a cheap date, Thanks for you, sure. Thank you, John,
9: my good and dear friend. It's good to have friends, isn't it? If you were looking for a hot man for free, I, I, I would probably go <laughs> that role. But, uh, but I wanted to, what I wanted to ask you about, though, is you've got such a diversity in the roles that you've taken throughout your career. And I was curious which one might be your favorite to play. Not the specific part, but which type of parts do you enjoy more? Do you lean more dramatic? You know, anything, anything
7: else? John, pretty early on, I mean, it's really about the writing. It really is, you know. They, that that famous, the famous, "If it ain't on the, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage." Line about acting—that's really true. And if you're uh, a, a real, uh, I mean, if you're a lover of acting, the way I am, and I am someone who loves to act, it, the writer is really the the center. So, whenever I'd get good writing, um, those were the things I liked best. So, good writing first, and in terms of uh, characterization, Hollywood especially likes to put you in a little box. And so when I first got to Hollywood, it was very easy for them to make me uh, the lawyer, um, you know, the guy in the suit. I could play that stuff. Uh, and then they kind of got a feel uh, – if you ever saw it in my work on sitcoms, like on Barney Miller and stuff, they said, oh, this guy has sort of a maniacal edge to him, too. And so they started to play me, but, but they liked me as sort of a straight guy. And then I got to a place where I was lucky enough that I would start selling them, no, nah, I don't really want to play the lawyer. Thank you. I'm not going to or I won't take the doctor part, you know, because that's what they would like me to do. And that that was a lucky thing. I mean, when I look back on uh, Hill Street Blues, Stephen Botchko, he had cast me in a show before Hill Street, and he had me as a a college professor. Well, that was easy for me to do, you know. And it was with with James Earl Jones, so it was really a great scene, and I had a great time. But when he started to offer me a, a couple of lawyers on Hill Street, I said, no, let's wait for somebody more interesting. And eventually, uh, you know, Sid the Snitch came along. And, uh, you know, Sid had a lot more interesting lines to say. And, you know, a lot, uh, there was a lot more to sink my teeth into too. And and uh, I had a great writer, David Milch, and uh, was really my writer on that show. And he would follow you around and listen to you talk and then feed more of your own who you were into the work. So it was really great. And that's, that's what I started to, to live for.
0: And it's not 10 pounds, Norm. That's not the amount. And it's not 20 pounds, Norm. Which 20 pounds, Norm, gets broads and limousines and a house anywhere you could think of. And not 40 pounds. Not even 60 pounds, Norm, which is three quarters of a million dollars. Norm, 80 pounds. 80 pounds, Norm! That kid's intestines were down in his testicles with a weight of that suitcase. Norm, I am gonna ask you a question once. And I don't think you would respect me as a man if I didn't. That Bobby, he's a mouse. He is looking to off this stuff for high four figures. 7,500, 10 grand max. 10 grand! And knowing the kind of person you are, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't have that in a bank account somewhere, am I right? And that Bobby is out of the picture. And you and me, Norm, are struggling like this, with that suitcase between us. I know that you are in law enforcement, but I'm asking you, as a human being, to consider the possibility of an entire fresh concept and start in life. Hmm? Okay, Norm, I'm going to take my hand away from your lips now. It would mean, Norm, so much to me if you gave me some positive indication that you would consider what I am suggesting. Is there a glimmer, Norm? Is there any possibility? None. None? in, In the sense of what? None. Meaning? Meaning none. None? None.
7: It was nice and I was lucky that I could always go back and play when they wanted to catch me as a straight guy, put a little reptile on, you know, comb, comb my hair back, wear, put my glasses on and, I, and there I could be the doctor for them or the scientist, but... It was always more fun for me to play. It's Everyone will tell you it's more fun to play a bad guy than a good guy, too. So that's why that's my, my wife, again, reminds me that the very first time I read the script of Babylon 5, uh, I sat outside our house and uh, I came in and said to her, oh, I love this character. I really want to play this character. I'd really like to get it. And she remembers that. I don't remember that. But I love that he was such a baddie and he was so, you know, in the pilot. He was a pretty screwed up co- guy already. You know, he was in a corner in his life. And I love that. Maybe... Maybe that's why I relate to him. I don't, you know, I don't know. (laughs) You know what, in a real, in a real way, John, that's, you know, that's more like who we are as people, all of us, right. The the idea of excellent being, I always am proud of the people who can play that, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but, you know, Sinclair and Sheridan, those guys, you know, they're, you know, heroes in a lot of ways. It's that's hard to play excellent people. I call them. It's hard to be an excellent person. I'm not an excellent person. (laughs) You know, you are you obviously aren't either. I know, <laughs> but fairies, no one is, right? No one is, as we know. So it's much more fun to play uh, bad people, uh, troubled people, people in a corner. So that's what drew me to Londo, certainly.
9: Well, listen, I very jealously would like to take up the entire rest of this hour and continue chatting with you. But unfortunately, I have to be fair. And uh, so I'll say again, though, thank you so much for coming on. Um, hopefully you'll be happy do it. to do it. I enjoy playing with you. I cannot wait to see the rest of Babylon 5 and and your performance. It gets
7: better and better. You know, remember the first season for you newbies, the first season, like any show, if you go back to the first season of, uh, I don't know, Seinfeld or any show that you like and go back and look, you'll see that both the writers and the actors are struggling to find their footing and, you know, stepping into holes and making mistakes. So uh, it's uh, it's
9: it gets better. I think Babylon gets better. You'll see. Well, harder to, harder to think you get better, but I'll <laughs> take your word for it. And I again appreciate you coming on, and and uh, I'll I'll pause my fangirling and we'll go to yes. There,
7: there, there is a Centauri inside that
1: guy. I can see <laughs> you moon-faced assassin of joy. You got no idea.
8: Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> definitely
6: taking that clip oh my
10: god definitely using great. that later <laughs> i gotta say it breaks my brain a little bit whenever you switch from your kind of new york lilt into Lando just seamlessly like that <laughs> right,
8: He's right floating right.
7: around in there what can i tell you
8: <laughs> oh peter i'm jesse and i am so very grateful to be able to have you here and be part of this this has probably been You're one so of the cooler episodes, um oh, one of the cooler interviews that we've done so thank you jesse appreciate you being here Um, If you did not, let's take acting out of the equation. And if you were not an actor, where do you think you would have seen yourself Career-wise, what do you think well, you would
7: have done? I, I spent uh, four years uh, in, a, in a in a a Catholic. I'm not a, a Catholic anymore, but I was a Catholic, and I spent four years studying to be a priest. And I right. thought I would have liked to have done that. And I found that subject interesting, and I found the work sort of interesting. Uh, I don't know that I could have pulled that off. You know, at some at some point, uh, yeah, whatever turned me away from it turned me away from it. Um, and I look back and now. I'm 72 years old, right? So I look back at. my my life a little bit. And I think I wish I would have done uh, something that had a little more meaning to it in my life. You know, I had a really rich career. I was, I'm a wealthy guy, you know, I mean, I'm a secure guy. I'm not a wealthy guy. Wealthy is such a funny term now, you know, but (laughs) I mean, I'm a successful actor and had what a lot of actors wished for, but I still wish I would have been uh, like a doctor And uh, maybe to help more uh, something a little more altruistic. But when I get to meet people like you, people, all of you, you and and everyone, I realize that uh, through my work, I I, I touch people in a good way, Uh, made them laugh, made them cry, made them think whatever, you know, that all comes through JMS. He, he penned all the thing, but we bring the characters to life and make them walk around and talk. So uh, I don't know. I would have liked to have been maybe a doctor or, or something like that. But, you know, I, I have a, a. As I said, I'm satisfied at 72, I'll say I'm glad I chose to be an actor. That was yeah. good. It worked oh, out okay, and I'm and I'm good at it now. You know, I was I, I worked hard at it. I went to school for it, and 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 you know became successful. So it seems like it was the right thing.
8: But I I definitely think that there can be a case made that you've had an impact on people's lives. You've 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 just brought great joy to people. I'm I'm one of the newer ones, so I have not seen the the whole show. And Scott has dragged me kicking and screaming through the first. <laughs> (laughs) season and we're getting it can
7: be difficult the first season so i'm glad
8: yes i i questioned my life choices for several episodes (laughs) (laughs) but it's um it's something that i've like i'm beginning to thoroughly enjoy it and i'm watching the episodes and i'm just loving the characters and loving the development your character is amazing and you're an awesome person and we appreciate you you being here
7: Right. You know what? Don't forget what I said. And probably, you know, that, I mean, you know, your business inside now, and I know my, and, and first seasons are difficult. They, they, you know, people are finding their way and the nice thing about uh, uh, Babylon five is that I think it does hit a good start to hit a good stride in the second season. And then really starts to groove a little and we get, and yeah. we get better. So you'll like that.
8: I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you so much for being here.
7: Nice to talk with you.
9: Yes. We yeah. got Oh, go ahead, John. I'm going to say, speaking of a groove real quick, do you have to play that guitar behind you there, sir? Do I have one? you play that guitar behind you? Oh, yes. Ooh. I think we'll have to get them on to play a song for us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I char- John, I charge a lot of money.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> that 50 back. Yeah. You're losing that 50. Oh. <laughs>
7: The only thing I do for free, obviously, is Londo impressions, right? (laughs) Not even that well. I said there are a lot lot of people who can do better than me still now.
6: Well, that's the last of our newbie questions, but I think Blake had something else he wanted to bring up before we do kick the newbies out. Okay,
7: Scott.
11: Sounds good. So, hi, Peter, and, and thanks again for doing this. And, you know, one of the things Scott and I did when we brought the newbies in is we pretty much issued an embargo of things they could not search on the internet, watch on the internet, um, we pretty much banned them from Google, YouTube, Facebook groups, Twitter, <laughs> um, anything else we could think of.
7: Well, as sound like banner, a narn. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Honestly, Blake is the narn of the group. Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
11: So one of the things is, you know, I've watched a lot of the fan panels, uh, different things, uh, particularly there was one in Phoenix that had uh, all of the surviving cast. It was really big. I think it was the 25th wow. anniversary one. Yes. And... One of the stories there was uh, you and Andreas and a prank you played on JMS at a convention, and and I think our newbies would appreciate hearing that one uh, since we banned them from watching that. I think they would like because you brought up the Veer. Uh, story from that audition, which comes from that also. So I think they'd that's love Oh yeah.
7: Well, the story that Blake is referencing is uh, we, it was really one of our first conventions too, Blake, it was early on. And we were a little surprised at how much people, how enthusiastic people were about the show. And, it, it, you know, it was a little surprising for us. And Andreas and I uh, had had gone on and, and, and what we asked the audience to do when we were on stage together uh, was that JMS was going to come on after us. And before he arrived, we let them know that we thought it would be a good idea that when JMS came out, if they would not react at all to anything he said, uh, you know, give him a smattering applause when he came out. And uh, if he said something funny or, or, uh, or heavy and dramatic to not react at all. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) That worked out just great. The audience was happy to do it. So JMS comes out and they say, here's Jay Michael Straczynski, he's the author, I mean, he's the writer, and uh, he's the creator of the show, and here he is, and, you know, tepid applause from the audience. He's already getting, you know, he's not a performer, so the flop sweat started pretty early, and Andreas and I were in the front row, you know, watching him die, and uh, he said, uh, hello, uh, I'm uh, Jay Michael Straczynski, and I'm the uh, the writer of Babylon 5. Nothing. Just perfectly quiet. <laughs> <laughs> he started to sweat more, and, and it got worse and worse. And they they just they basically just hung him out to dry for the <laughs> longest amount of time. And uh, it was such a pleasure to see him think that no one was no one cared who he was, what he had to say, that he had done Babylon Five it was a little like Babylon what? You know, <laughs> uh, he got us back by writing an episode where um, Andreas and I. And he he really pushed this. He had Andreas. He made the norns able to, uh, I guess, in a defensive way, be able to change gender. And so he had Andreas uh, changing into a woman, a female <laughs> And he actually, we got the script, and everybody got the script, and it it was. Uh, we were all worried, like, what the hell is this? Because the script just came to us, and. You know, Mira called me up and said, "Oh my God, Peter, it's terrible! It's terrible what Joe is doing." You know, and he made Andreas go into costume and they fitted him for two large
9: breasts. <laughs> <laughs>
7: and we and we were to end up in bed together.
5: Oh no. together. oh no!
7: Sleep together. And he had bedrooms, a bedroom scene for us. where actually we were both at the end of it smoking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my the, god! The
7: afterglow scene.
3: Oh and yeah. No. He,
7: he got he got all of us back pretty well because he played that that to the hilt and he had costumers and uh, makeup people and the producers uh make uh andreas and i think we were really going through with that and that's where it character <laughs> anyway thank you blake that's a the, you it kind of had to been there to see joe die but it was fun if, <laughs> if he was present it was great to see him uh swing
1: that's fantastic <laughs>
6: I'm now envisioning the scene and I think Natoff is sitting by the door waiting for Uh it to be done.
1: Yeah, oh my
6: gosh. I actually have that
1: script too. Oh,
8: God.
1: Smooth operators playing in the background.
8: Was there pink underwear in that one? He
1: wrote it beautifully. He really wrote it beautifully.
6: Oh my, I have an idea. I'm going to chat with you later, Peter. I have an idea.
7: Oh, no. Oh, no. no.
6: Again, what did I say to John? It's going to
7: cost you a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> I think it'd be worth it. I think it would. Money be. well spent. I didn't know that I could. I don't even know if I. should. Joe would kill me,
6: He may
7: be out there somewhere. I don't know. He has you a band. Maybe we find it. so fun. He put it out. You know, everybody got a copy of it. We, he he played it really perfectly. No one. He made us think it was happening. <laughs> If only they would have filmed it. If only they would have filmed it. <laughs> if only they would have filmed it, right? Yeah Quite a uh, funny scene anyway. so great to to meet you people and what a gratifying thing for uh, you call yourself newbies, but you know that you're starting the show. That's really gratifying for me. So I said it's a long time back in my past, but it's nice to know that people are uh, still enjoying the show and enjoying the work. Thank you. Well, Thank they you, love man. it.
5: Thank you. I mean, honestly, I
1: mean, you guys, I mean, all of you guys who are part of the show are making new fans every day. So so thank you. Thank you for what you guys did that 30 odd years later, new people can experience it and love it as much as they did back in 1994.
7: Well, you know, that's that's also a compliment to you people as viewers too, that you look pat, you can put it in the proper perspective of 30 years back and whatever that means in terms of what special effects or whatever it was, but that's great. Thank you.
6: To put that in perspective too, with the new viewers, I've been watching a lot of Babylon 5 for a long time, but now my kids are watching it with me because I'm watching for this show. And my 12 year old loves to crochet, so she uh, finished this guy a few days ago. <laughs> <laughs> now you
1: wait right there. Hang on a minute. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Oh. It's show and tell time. It's show and tell
6: time. Just, so the really audio podcast, I have a Londo crochet. Can you guys see me?
7: Yes, yes, sir. This uh this holiday, I got this. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh. Yeah, pretty awesome. close, right? I yeah. love. He's got a little purple. uh shirt underneath <laughs> it can you see That's it all right it it's so yeah. cute yeah. wonderful something and this is the only thing i got uh actually off, this, off the set
1: no wow. kidding
7: yeah now if in what in some of my quarters in the background you can see i think there were three of these yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and mm. Warner Brothers was just terrible. They said, uh, they asked me to 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 beg in triplicate, you know, could I have something just to remember when the series was closing? And and they made me write it in, you know, duplicate and triplicate to different people and then rejected me, said, no, you can't take it. They were going to sell everything. So
6: I pocketed it.
5: <laughs> you should, As you should have. As you should well, have. I, I
9: deserve that, right? <laughs>
5: awesome. <I did. laughs>
9: there you
6: go. Well, we were... Uh, we were uh, interviewing uh, Marshall Teague, and I won't say what we were interviewing him for because the yeah. folks haven't seen that character yet, but he walked out with the sword that he had so (laughs) some
7: people just were you know I mean Jerry Doyle God help us you know he was he Jerry was a was a great guy and but he had a a a major pair of balls he'd try anything six times you know he really would he's very funny guy and a great guy and I think he got off with you know a small U-Haul pulled up to the (laughs) set oh jeez that doesn't shock loaded things out Any, you know,
5: Peter, uh, my other favorite dynamic on the show was uh, Londo and Garibaldi. So it's really yeah. funny that you said that because my I wanted to I was debating between asking you the question I asked you and about him because I just absolutely love the dynamic between you guys. And I feel like that was very genuine, probably yeah. the same off screen, too. So thank you for absolutely. sharing that about him.
7: Yeah, he was, he was a very funny guy again. And uh, and, uh, you know, very much what you saw is what you got. With him, he was not, as you know, not a really experienced actor, but he did the smartest thing. What he took was just brought himself to the work. And um, so what you saw was, in a lot of ways, who he was, too. He was funny, smart, uh, a wise guy, uh, you know, bright, very bright. Anyway, yeah, he was a great guy. Again, we became friends. (laughs) I'm sad to talk about it, but he's gone. Yeah. He was a great guy, a good guy.
5: I would find hard it, I would find it hard for anyone to not want to be friends with you, to be honest, because you seem pretty oh, cool. you're
7: sweet. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that.
6: On that sugar note, I, we're going to go I'm ahead. flattered and... easily,
7: but I, but I accept it. Thank you. You're
6: welcome. <laughs> On that sugarly little note that Nicole left, we're going to go ahead and kick the newbies out now so we can talk spoilers. That so, cool. um. There before we go, if you guys can, you know, say your goodbyes uh, to Peter, and then we will. Lots
7: of love, you exit. guys. Thank you for being so nice. Really thank, nice you.
8: To thank you. Bye, so Peter. Right. Thank you so much. I Enjoy the rest. It. Yeah. Of the show,
1: you, you know, I mean, honestly, I Peter, like thank it. you. Thank you for everything. It's, yeah, it, it means yes. a lot to us. Mm-hmm. To us, to me too. Thank you, you
7: guys. Awesome. To so one of you. Thanks. All yes. right. Take care. Bye. 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 bye.
9: bye.
6: Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon copyright all audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders they are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended the opening closing Babylon 5 themes are available from falling matter on youtube
0: and what's out there the rim and beyond that the truth
6: now kicked out the newbies so if you haven't seen past season two this is where you should exit as well and after that we're going to go ahead and just talk about the entire run of the show uh the first question i have for you peter just to throw it out there right away Uh, the the londo arc from the beginning to the end is obviously for many of us one of the biggest arcs of the show He goes through so much trials and tribulations um, and literally ends and finds redemption at the hands of Jakar around his throat. How do you feel about that arc? And how do you how do you feel about going through that 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 trial for five years?
7: You know, Scott, really, uh, again, I forget who asked it in the first section there, but, you know, as an actor, uh, you live for something like that in a in a, in a te- television series, you know. In a television series, it's easy for them, the writers and the producers, if they can put you in a little box, your character, and say, he's what, the uh, the evil sister or the evil brother or he's the bad doctor or, you know because uh, it's easier to write an ongoing uh, serial if the characters are not moving forward, backward, out of focus, in focus, who the story is. And because Joe... as he said, saw this in in, the the whole thing in one big kind of uh, arc uh, to get a character that was moving. I mean, when when, when Lando starts, as I said also in the beginning, he was a guy who was stuck in a corner. He was... he was in a lot of trouble. He's drinking a lot, gambling a lot, uh, very unhappy, very, uh, disappointed, uh, where his, uh, you know, he was a super Patriot, as you know, in later seasons, you, you, you get a, a sense of how vulnerable he is about his people and his patriotism. It's in a, in a lot of ways, his Achilles heel, but for, to have him like that at the beginning and then for Joe to take him, uh, have him uh, rise up to such power and then um, turn it so wonderfully and keep turning the character was really it was a treat as an actor and it was fun to do. It made it so much more interesting. I mean, we would get the scripts and um, we were as excited as the uh, the fans when they watched it for the first time were to see where the show was going you know we'd get a we'd get a new episode and say wow this is fun this is interesting i didn't think it was going here you know all i can say is that the the arc was um it made it a great character for me it it made it really fun it was enjoyable to do, and I thank. Uh, I, again, I said in the first part. You know, uh, I'm happy to get any work as an actor. You know, because I know it's a tough business and all that. So I'm happy to play whatever they're uh, they're paying me to do this week but it was it's wonderful when you get good writing and mm-hmm. uh, a character that has nuance and grows and change and that was really fun for me that was wonderful it wasn't a, it wasn't a burden as i said londa was um to be him on the set was a little uh, tiring occasionally and i wanted to get away from him a little bit because he's a pretty intense guy that's i said mm-hmm. <laughs> He well, didn't, he never, you know, he's not a, he's not a chill guy. There's no chill. He's not, uh, he's not, uh, you know, he's, he's not a Mimbari. And uh, you know, what's, what, what's Bill's character's name? Lanier, you know, he doesn't got a lot of linear in him. So I needed to get away from him, but I love that Joe uh, changed him and, and had him grow and change.
11: And you, you mentioned that writing and that intensity. I think that's one of the things we've commented on a little bit is even in the scenes we've seen and, there's some great ones coming up, uh, particularly in season two, where um, both yourself and Andreas have probably some of the most intense performances and scenes and dialogue. Um, I mean, there's this one scene where I know you're in the, in the council chamber and you just scream, you know, you want something done now. And just that's the power on that scene. scene. And you even mentioned the the elevator scene that we cut you off on because you're not there yet, but that was another just incredible scene, but the intensity of it and the, what both of you put into those roles.
2: There's no one there. It would appear that we are on our own. I don't know how long I have been
0: unconscious. Two standard hours. Two hours? And you have done nothing? I would point out to you that this door is extremely hot. There is a very good chance there is a fire out there. And even if the fire doesn't get in here, the smoke and the heat will eventually make it impossible to breathe. And we will die in here.
2: (laughs) Enough effort we can probably force our way through the ceiling.
0: <laughs> Perhaps I have not made myself sufficiently clear. There is no telling when help will come. Unless we get ourselves out of here on our own, we'll probably die here. So we must work together. No. No. What do you mean, no? No. No. <laughs> Well, you want to live as much as I, hmm? Oh, yes, but I would much rather see you dead. <laughs> well, let's see. Well, here I am. God, kill me! God, kill me! Oh, you forget the
3: terms of our surrender. The penalty for the killing of any Centauri by any Norn will be the death of 500 Norns, including the perpetrator's own family!
10: But I don't have to kill you. (laughs) I don't have to do anything. And I
3: still get to watch you die. (laughs) I find this most appealing.
0: (laughs) This is insane. (laughs) We must work together!
3: (laughs) No. As the humans say, up yours, die! (laughs) Believe it. Ow!
0: You are mad, you know that? <laughs> We're in here! Can
3: anyone hear us? I hear
7: you! <laughs> in here! We're in here! Um, you know, Blake, like, uh... As I told you, uh, audition, uh, um, Andreas and I auditioned together and we were friends and knew each other and kind of went into it. And one of the reason, one of the things we talked about with Joe early on was that uh, he was less interested in being he was kind of afraid when we did the pilot that he was gonna be the bad guy for the whole thing and I was gonna be what a buffoon or I don't know what what you know I even thought about him at first. So we encouraged, we loved the idea that Joe made them go like this and kind of pass each other. And my character became in set two and three darker and his um more enlightened and lighter, right? So it was uh, it was great you know we both loved that and uh, we stuck together as uh, two actors as two friends we even negotiated our contracts together <laughs> and i mean that seriously so um I mean, we traded off our place in the credits at the beginning and things like that. So we stuck together because we we understood. Both of us understood this is, you know, you might be able to may, might be able to find a higher paying job at that time, but it certainly was good writing and fun to do for us both.
10: I, I don't have anything necessarily spoilery, but I wanted to, to ask you a little bit. Um, you know, your pedigree. See, uh, you got your start in theater, stage acting, and. Um, and, and i even saw somewhere in your note feel free to correct me if my research is faulty but uh you even uh, dabbled in doing uh, comedic uh performances at times um do you that's uh, where it, i started yeah okay uh, i mean and i feel like you can certainly see that like if you don't mind me saying in your in your character you're very naturally oh, funny you yeah. know you're very naturally funny and and you're uh that part of your personality comes out in londo really really well um At what point did you kind of transition away from from doing live uh, performances into the kind of television behind the screen on set stuff?
7: The truth of the matter is, you know, as you as you said, first of all, I studied uh, uh, my, my major was theater. And uh, so I, I, then I went to New York and I worked in theater there and I was too dumb to uh, to appreciate that I was getting cast and making a good amount of money and uh, thought, you know, why are they not taking me more serious when I was getting cast in more comedic stuff? I went away and and, and, and worked in repertory. So I got my my my, my you know, my my, my fill of playing dramatic stuff. And when I got to Los Angeles, it was a matter of how I was going to showcase myself. How, how, how are they going to see you out there? And at that time, um, one of the ways that you could showcase that was easiest was being at the comedy store and, you know, both at sunset and Westwood where the, the two comedy stores were. And I could have been, I could have ended up in a serious, uh, acting class. I could have chose that, but instead I chose uh, an improv class and ran into people like Michael Keaton, uh, Betty Thomas, who was eventually on Hill street blues, uh, The people I did The Village Idiots with, Mark Ganzel, who's turned into quite a good writer, producer, God rest his soul now. Uh, A woman named Jan Fisher, who wrote Lost Boys, the movie. And we were all doing comedy together and then um, got to perform two or three times a week on in front of... uh, producers actors you know at the comedy store and the first pilot i did was the jimmy walker show the other people on the in the cast regular cast were david letterman jay leno um i forget who else but you know david letterman and jay leno were the they were with the same management as as we were and so that was a way into getting a showcase in Los Angeles comedy. It was a better showcase than doing uh, serious theater. For me, it was great, you know? It opened me up to, a—I started doing uh, sitcoms, you know, and stuff like that, and that was great. And and then other people just saw, well, he can, he has a nice edge and, and, you know, as I said, good writers start to listen to you and get a sense of who you are and uh, and you need know, they'll they'll play into some more nuance more serious nuance it's a great question and Thank again you. you need a tremendous amount of luck you know you got to be good <laughs> i guess when the, you know when it comes along but you know well, you, you got to be ready for luck like everybody says but it takes a lot of luck you know i was lucky that I, when I say uh, I, I went to a, 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 an improv class and Michael Keaton was in it and became a friend of mine for my life, you know, that was pretty good break. And he was comedic, completely comedic at that time yeah. and got his first break. I forget. It was a night, night shift, I guess was the movie, something, but Betty Thomas and people like that, they were, they were all doing comedy. So that was a good and a, just a lucky move by me. Cause I could have ended up in a, I Took myself so seriously that I could have ended up in a you know real serious acting class, and God knows, you know, I don't know.
10: And I want to, if I can, I'll segue into another kind of question I noticed as I was browsing through the catalog. You actually crossed paths with Bruce Boxleitner, I think, at least three times uh, throughout right. your career from Tron, uh, Scarecrow, and Mrs. King, and then, of course, B5. Uh, right. Was that a coincidence, or was that kind of a Knowing the same people, and
7: by the time by the time we did uh, *Scarecrow and Mrs. King* together, we were already buddies and friends. (laughs) He was a contemporary of me's. I think he was, you know, he's my age. He was born in 1950, like I was. A couple of. Days, you know uh, uh you know it's may 5th or something like that so we're at the same age so we naturally knew each other we didn't go up for the same part so we didn't audition together you know people who i auditioned were that were the more character actors like you know people like armin shimmerman from oh. star trek he was a guy i would see all the time and i became a friend of his because i ran into him all the time basically i would spend auditions, you know, that I would audition three and four times, sometimes a day for commercials. And I was a busy actor, you know, and people I was in demand, which he was also in the band. And so I got to know him and Bruce was the same way. Bruce, Bruce and I knew each other, you know, from just around town. The, the, the joke of, uh, you know, it's not a big town is true. It's real. It's not a big town. The people who work in that town are the same kind of people especially the character actors we were all you know we all knew each other from auditions from around and so bruce is a you know he's uh he's a very different person than me in terms of what he does he's a leading man he was the perfect guy to be our captain and to be number one on the call sheet as they say he's a he's an elegant guy that way and a good guy uh he doesn't uh he doesn't flash his uh, his good looks or his power. You know, he, he's he's really modest in that way. He's a perfect kind of quote leader. So he was great, and yeah, we did become friends. Coincidental yeah. thing in that that uh, that one show, uh, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, the girl who ended up playing my wife on that was actually the girl
6: I was living with
7: in Hollywood at that time, and that rarely happens
6: too. Cool. To, to that point because we've asked this question a couple times on our show when did you all find out that bruce was joining the cast do you remember we uh we we,
7: we of course never knew uh anything about how uh unwell um, um i'm blanking on his name now Michael our first i'm sorry Michael, Michael we, yeah i'm sorry that uh, we no one ever told us that he was how ill he was and uh it became uh, obvious as obvious as the first season went on that he wasn't going to be able to hang together anymore because it was getting more difficult for him. And he, you know, he was just not well. Um, And um, so at one point, I think we were all aware that he might be replaced uh, but we are, you know, whether Babylon Five was going to go on was a big deal every season anyway. You know, we were not a favorite of Warner Brothers. We were not, uh, although we had some good, uh, good, you know, reviews and stuff. A lot of people didn't like our show, so we were worried about whether the show would continue. No, whether not, not only would would, would Michael O'Hare would we get a second season, so. We didn't really find out that Bruce was unvo- uh, involved. I don't remember, to tell you the truth. I can't honestly say whether it was like, bam, the start of the second season, and there he was. But as I said, we, we all had a sense that uh, Michael was starting to um, tip, you know, and that he wasn't going to be able to do it. It's just too uh, to in- He was too unwell. And it's too hard to be that person. You know, he was, again, like I mentioned in the first part, he was playing excellent, an excellent being, as I always call them, excellent people. It's really hard to play good guys. You know, it really is hard. You gotta, you gotta uh, steady as she goes and all that steady hand. So, and he was not doing well. I never knew that. So, I don't know when I knew when Bruce
9: was coming on. I can't answer that question. I don't remember
3: you know sure um, peter i am Kevin. Thank you so much for being on with us um Hi, Kevin. one of the one of the things about Londo is that he was very different at different times in the show. Um, he could be sentimental. He could be fiery. He could be um, someone who, you know, was sword fighting with an old friend. Um, is there a particular time in the show that was a favorite of yours because of that? Those differences.
7: Uh, as I said, you know, it, it would. Be, I would say it was. Uh, it was. You know, by episode, I would. I would love when Joe would surprise me so that I get a the, the next episode and think. See, I didn't think he was going there with the character. You know, certainly I loved the major twist. You know, uh, the uh, the all, all the stuff with Mister Morden and the darker turn in in his character. The the darker turn with the with my in in the third and fourth season with uh, with Shakar and that was great to play. But I liked when he would throw me as you referenced funnier stuff, or there was a part of Londo that was because he was, um, you know, such a Patriot and, uh, so uh, intense in some ways that he had blinders on, and so he would could be a real dolt and say funny stuff occasionally. He would say stuff, uh, you, you know. I mean, it's not right on the money, but the stuff about um, you know cats and uh, you know the, the, that that thing Nibble to death by cat. That's a great. That that was fun for me. I love that that he would have him do that. That he would, from an audience point of view, you know, he looks like a a bit of an idiot. When he says that, and I love that the whole episode with the uh, with the with the with the insect in his quarters, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, before he, he develops language skills and whatever, <laughs> those lines were great to do, those were fun stuff for me to do.
0: you to trifle with a centauri you triple damned
2: do you know that do you know that you are smaller than i thought you were you are smaller there are more of you
0: there are more of you
7: He had to turn me, he pulled me away from Garibaldi because as a writer, what he did was he started to let, he he wanted to move me into more, take the character, not me. He wanted to move the the character more towards center in the script. And so he had to get, he got somebody like Veer to fill up some of the the comedic stuff more on the edge and by, by dropping Veer in, Veer would take the real funnier stuff and that pushed me more towards center, that allowed me and I was sorry to give that up because I liked it I enjoyed when when Londo was buffoonish and uh, you know, when he wasn't smart or uh, the, the the Technomage mm. episode. you know, that was fun for me, I loved that episode oh, I don't know what that, what that episode is
6: called but that was a good time We actually just hit on it uh, a few weeks ago. I loved it when you're sitting at the computer and it tells you you've just bought 500 shares of Butterflies Incorporated. Your reaction is just amazing. <laughs> See, and I loved that. That was
7: great. And even even that he had to uh go and eat crow with the uh, with the technomage at the uh, in the final scene was fabulous to do. That was so enjoyable for me to play. You know, wh- wh- when when will this torture end? Remember? He says <laughs> that, that how long will this spell keep on going on? I've waved it already now no problem but you know that 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 endeared you to him you know but uh the, even the romantic Harry- part of him that he dropped in too was fun for for me to play too uh mm-hmm. i wasn't particularly comfortable with that cuz i never played that in my mm-hmm. career but uh it was fun to do and it was, it was nice to have that aspect to him too great question thank you, thank
6: I, you. I was going to say to that scene too with the technomage is in it's funny as hell but then it goes so dark with the I hear the voices of billions, and you say my followers. Yeah. No, you're right? victims. Yeah, and it's like just how we can turn on a dime. It's just that's JMS in a nutshell. And also you as an actor being able to pull that off.
0: Is now in final check prior to <clears throat> Excuse me. I wanted to thank you for your amusing little gift. It took me two hours to repair the damage to my quarters. And I don't think the smell will go away for days. Now, if I may ask, does this torment end when you leave? Or am I going to have to
4: spend the rest of my life paying for one little mistake? Oh, I'm afraid you're going to have to spend the rest of your life paying for your mistakes. Not this one, of course. It's trivial. I have withdrawn the spell. But there will be others. What are you talking about? You are touched by darkness, Ambassador. I see it as a blemish that will grow with time. I could warn you, of course, but you would not listen. I could kill you, but someone would take your place. So I do the only thing I can. I go. Oh, I believe it was an endorsement you wanted. A word or two, a picture to send to the folks back home, confirming that you have a destiny before you. Yes, it was just a thought, nothing more. We'll take this for what little it will profit you. As I look at you, Ambassador Mallory, I see a great hand reaching out of the stars. The hand is your hand, and I hear sounds, the sounds of billions of people calling your name. My followers? Your victims.
7: Well, JMS wrote it for me though. You're right. And that is nice that he that he's smart enough to do that too. He would he would in a in a sense set the audience up. And you guys were enjoying seeing Lando eat Crow a little bit and uh you know see him come crawling back and then turn the scene as you said. That's the great thing at the end and just leave him there, you know. Yeah, you're victims, right? My it's, gonna, it's gonna get black.
3: Mm-hmm. Michael and Sarah was really good in that scene too. Yeah, I I grew up watching Tron. I think I I probably wore out our VHS tape. But the other one I I wore out was the Buck Rogers and he was in the uh, the pilot of Buck Rogers as well, so
7: He was uh, a little like um he was a little like how I described Andreas that he was uh, in in the best sense what so wonderfully serious about his work when he got there and and i love that about him you know he um i mean he wasn't young by the time he did that and i don't think it was even easy for him to be an actor at some point it gets difficult when you can't remember stuff and you fo- you lose some focus it's harder to be a good actor and um but, uh, he was so serious about the work. It was great. He was a great guy to be on set with fun, really a, not just fond memories of him.
3: Are there any other notable guest stars that you have, uh, particularly fond memories of throughout the run? Well,
7: you know, I love, you know, I love, uh, Rifa, uh, he 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 was terrific. I love Robert Krimmer playing uh Centaur, yeah what the, the the emperor's name, uh, the, the our little our young emperor
3: Cartesia,
7: Cartesia yeah it was you know he was a, he was a fun guy he they were they were people uh Bill Forward uh, uh is that his name Bill Forward who played uh B-5? yes. Uh, he, the people who jumped in wholeheartedly. The guy who I had the sword fight with. I can't remember his
3: name now. Herman or Genziano.
7: Ah, uh, he what a what what a, what a great fun actor he was to work with. I mean, they were unafraid. I had to. Uh, I w- I was uh, smart enough, or uh, I cared enough about my own. Uh, welfare and the show's welfare that when a guest star would come in, especially if they had to be a Centauri for the first time, they put them in those wigs. They, they, some of the, some people would get a little nervous, you know. Sure. And, and and so I I I tried to coddle them and let them know, hey, it's going to be all right. We're going to be able to do our work, and it's going to be serious. And you 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 know, but there are people who jumped in. Bill Forward jumped in. I mean, he he, he did the accent, no less, right? And uh, and and Bob Crimmer, uh, you know, he. He just, you know, he was in with both feet and the guy who played the emperor that uh, the emperor before us, who, who uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, the, you know, th- those are fond, fond memories. The guy who, who was I was most intimidated by was in the first season, and he's the guy that he was in uh, Clockwork Orange and he played, uh, in Clockwork Orange, he played uh, the parole officer. And he is the actor that I lifted the, yes, yes, that from. You know, if you go back and look at Clockwork Orange and watch that actor work with Malcolm McDowell, he ended up being a guest star on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. And I was completely intimidated by him. Uh, he was in English. We had a lot of English actors, as you may or may not know. And, you know, they have such sterling... Uh, Credentials when they show up, and they're trained so well, they can be a little intimidating. And that guy, I was completely—I didn't know what to do. I was afraid he was going to, like, uh, you know, out me and say, "You, you stole that from me, didn't you? <laughs> yes, you did, didn't you? Yes, yes, you know." And he—he uh, he was great. I wish I could remember his name. I'm sorry, I'm not good with names, and I'm getting old. So, you guys can look it up. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: Don't you worry, Kevin. Huh? Kevin Will. He's my encyclopedia when it comes to actors' names.
3: Um, the only one I'm finding is Deltoid. That's him. Okay, Mr. Deltoid. Deltoid. It's a... Mr. Deltoid.
7: Mr. Oh, Deltoid.
3: Okay.
7: What's, his, what's the actor's name? Do they have? Yeah, let me get it. I don't remember what he played. Thank you, Kevin. I don't remember what he played in, uh, in Babylon, it, but it was the first season, I'm positive because i was completely intimidated by him he was a terrific uh, and was in a lot of stuff
3: aubrey I, morris aubrey morris
7: that's it yes he was somebody i was really excited to work with you know he he really was something
6: well, Peter, we really do appreciate you taking the time out with us. And God, this um, was a treat for me. You, you can tell I loved it. Thank you. Oh yeah, we can absolutely. And I'm on a side chat with the newbies and they are singing your praises right now. So we really do appreciate <laughs> it. Is well,
7: I any... always loved, You know, the, when, when you you get pretty women to sing my praises, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. It's good to have friends, is it
6: not? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you would like to add before we uh, let you go? You know what, I, I? the only thing I ever want to add is uh, the fact that, uh, you know,
7: we, we've lost uh, terrific people. And uh, it's so nice to have uh, you guys, what I said about keeping the show alive. Uh, I don't know who said it, uh, but they say if you, you know, mention people's names after they pass, that it keeps them alive somewhere, you know. And it's so nice that you still, all of you, still like Mira and, uh, you know. Uh, You you still like Garibaldi and and Jerry and Andreas and Steven. That means a lot to me because it keeps them alive for me too. So bless you guys all. That's great.
6: I steal this line from JMS all the time. May they be in memory still bright.
7: That's it. Thank you. Well, I had a ball, so you guys can ask
6: me back any time.
1: I was about ready right to say,
6: you made it easy for me because I was going to say we would love to have you back. But it was, it's was it been such a treat. I I, I can tell you personally, uh, I was 9 or 10 when I first saw you. Well, actually, I was younger now on Tron. But when I first saw you in the Londo character, um, I was hooked. And you have been, I'm sorry to say, a part of my life for 30 years. And I really That's okay. do That's good. It's been amazing. It's, I, I, uh, it's so nice that you invited me and I had a ball. So thank you so much. Mutual, you know. And they always say don't meet your heroes, but man, you have knocked it out of the park. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Well, you guys are great. Flatter me. As I said, landos he's a hard act to follow. So there you go. <laughs> you. Well, we'll go ahead and end it there. Thank you so much, Peter. And I'm going to take you, got- you up on it. And also... I've got some ideas for that script if we can make it work. I've got some <laughs> ideas.
7: <laughs> just, just, just send numerical figures. That's all. <laughs> Understood. That Understood. And we can talk about it.
6: If you want to join our Patreon and help out with that, you can find our <laughs> Patreon link down below. Now, okay. Thank you all. Thank you,
7: and Thank you, thank you,
3: all you for Peter. Being thank Avalon you so much, fight. sir. This has been a real treat really for fun. us.
7: Thank you, guys. I'm off. See ya. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. Thanks again, yeah. You too.
3: See you Bye. as well. Thank you.
2: After tonight, I don't know that I will ever see you again. And I wanted to... Say goodbye. I don't know why that should be important to me now, at a time like this, but it is. In the months and the years to come, You may hear many strange things about me, my behavior. Well, they say the position changes you. And I just... I I wanted to... I understand. Perhaps... And perhaps you do not understand as much as you think. Pray that you never do, Shakar. Pray that you never truly understand. Well, I must hurry. Our ships will soon be in firing range. Isn't it strange, Shikar, when we first met, I had no power and all the choices I could ever want, and now I have all the power I could ever want, and no choices at all. No choice at all. Molari. Understand that I can never forgive your people for what they did to my world. My people can never forgive your people.
8: But I can forgive.